This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. What you said about it has to be the right guy. If there's a quarterback in this draft that you think is that guy, would you move heaven and earth to get him? Would you go up to number one? Yes, I'd do whatever it takes. If we if we thought there's a player that, that we're driven to get that makes the franchise and the team better, that's what we would do. That is uh, Chris Ballard, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. That is the biggest fear that I sensed Sunday night, Monday morning, maybe still now, I don't know, um, among Texan fans that they went and won that game, Seth, is it? Yeah. Is that you? You fell out of number one, and now the Bears, who have a quarterback, are going to be open for business, and the Colts, who are well within striking distance to move up from four to one, are going to move heaven and earth, as Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, just said they would to go get a quarterback. Now he didn't say we would do that to go get Bryce Young. He wasn't specific. He was just answering a question about would you move heaven and earth to go get a franchise changing quarterback? I think every GM would say yes to that if you yeah. knew what that was. If you knew it was going to be that guy. Um, but that's what Texan fans are scared of right now. They- this is this is how it's going to work out, Sean. Okay. Ben, mark this down in my book of promises. This is how it's going to work out. The Texans falling to the number two overall draft slot will be the greatest thing that ever happened to the Texans because drafting – a 190-pound quarterback with a number one pick overall is an invitation to get fired if it doesn't work out because it's such an easy, oh, what were you thinking, criticism afterwards. Everybody knew, everybody knew that he was too small and that he was going to get injured as often as he did. Whereas with a number two overall spot, it's irrational, it doesn't make any sense, and yet there's not the stigma attached to number two overall that there is to number one overall. So GMs are going to be afraid to trade up to number one overall to draft Bryce Young because of that size dynamic. At number two overall, hey, we're just using our first-round pick on Bryce Young. If he gets hurt, that's on him, baby. And uh, it's as simple as that. It is So I predict that the Texans will take Bryce Young with number two overall because people would rather trade for for a normal-sized quarterback out of some weird conference in the Dakotas where the quarterback is is, – where did Trey Lance go to school? He played played like four games in college. North Dakota Um, State. It makes – it makes – they feel more confident trading away an entire draft for Trey Lance than they do in taking a guy like Bryce Young simply because Trey Lance looks the type. So, uh, and that what, but it also wasn't for number one overall. Also, it was, you know. So it's. Um, I think the Texans are still in a in a good spot. And I know, Sean, you have data to back this. up. I do, I do. Well, just the the sheer infrequency with which the number one overall pick has been moved. Yeah. In this century, it's it's been traded just three times. Now it's all been for quarterbacks. 
It's all been for quarterbacks, but it's only been moved three times since the year 2000. Because um, because GMs are terrified of the number one overall pick. That's right. It's a it's a target on your back. Yep. Um, these are the three times. I'll work chronologically backwards. The most recent was 2016, when the Rams traded up with the Tennessee Titans to draft Jared Goff. Similar situation to this year in that Tennessee wound up with the number one overall pick but already had drafted Marcus Mariota the year before. So in this case, Justin Fields is playing the role of Marcus Mariota. Number one overall pick, we don't need one. We drafted our guy the year before, and we think that that we don't need to draft a quarterback. Now, (laughs) it didn't work out with Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, but that's besides the point. Um, The Rams traded up to number one. They got the number one overall pick and a couple day three picks for the 15th overall pick two second-rounders, a third-rounder, and then a first and a third the following year. Mm-hmm. So that was the price to move up 14 spots for the Rams. Of, of, they traded up 14 spots, and the net of that was two seconds, a third, and then a first and a third the following year. And, uh, and, and one of the weirder things that happens these days is that they make it to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and yet... It was also a bad pick. I don't know what. How do we classify that? The now that they that they ultimately had to part with him, and yet that they did win with him. What's the uh, what's this? How how was that trade? I think was, I I think if, if the question is like would you would you do it over again if you were the Rams? I think you would, and here's why. Yeah, Goff got to a Super Bowl. You got to a Super Bowl not because of him, but with him. Yeah, he was also, and you also flipped him and some picks to go get Matthew Stafford. Like eventually, the chain of events led to you winning a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Goff was involved in that. And but he you, is still. I almost. It might turn out. Who knows? Depending on how Goff does with dude. Detroit, it might turn out that it was just actually that Sean McVay couldn't get the most out of Jared Goff. But Ben Johnson Which, could. <laughs> all this stuff just is uh, is so ridiculously fluid. So here are the other two. Okay. Um. The previous one was 12 years before that. This one's a little different. This was in 2004. That was the Eli manning Philip Rivers flip-flop between the char- the Chargers had the first overall pick, the Giants had the fourth overall pick. But Eli Manning's family dug their heels in, Archie, his dad, and said he ain't going to San Diego. This is back yeah. when San Diego was widely thought of as a joke of a franchise. Yeah. Um, so the the two teams drafted their guy. Eli got drafted by the Chargers on paper, had to walk up to the podium, hold a Charger jersey as if he were holding a jersey for Al-Qaeda or something like that. That's the look he had on his face. It was face. a prisoner video. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. You should, I've learned so much in my time with the Chargers. <laughs> right? I changed the way I think about things. That's right. Death to America. That's yes. right. So shortly thereafter, and Rivers ended up getting drafted on paper by the Giants later that weekend. They flipped the two around, and in the net of that, the Chargers, in addition to getting Phillip Rivers, picked up a third-round pick and then a first and a third the following year. So, so it ends up being, yeah, for all intents and purposes, a trade of number one overall. Yeah, yeah, it ends up being yeah. it ends up being the the Giants moving up from four to one and giving up two thirds and a first to do that. Even so. though it wasn't technically a draft trade, yeah. but yeah, yeah, gotcha. but that's 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 functionally how it so, works. But out. if you wanted for your own purposes, you could cast that out and say that it's only two times. It's only happened twice. Yeah, but that's how much integrity you have. Yes, that I, you that you you're including that. I am yeah. going to let the people make their own assessment of that trade as to whether or not it should be included in this segment. Absolutely. The funny thing they don't mention is that Eli Manning, if his last name wasn't Manning, he would have gone in the fifth round. Last, <laughs> that year. Right, right. Prepare. This is like a, a, the the best example ever of just like as long as you just keep giving people opportunities, and you know. 
know, the, eventually they'll figure it out. Yep. Arthur Smith, the <laughs> Arthur Smith, son of one of the owners of the Titans, uh, got to remain on staff through three different head coaches, and eventually he actually got to prove that he was actually a pretty good offensive coordinator. And yep. Now he's a head coach. Yeah. He is in Atlanta. Speaking of Atlanta, they were the other team to move up to number one this century back in two thousand one. They traded, again, with the San Diego Chargers. San Diego's been on the business end of a few of these. Yeah. Um, they move up. The Atlanta Falcons moved up from 5-1 to one, and in the process <clears throat> gave up a relative pittance, honestly, to move up and get Michael Vick. They yeah. gave up a third, a second the following year, and wide receiver Tim Dwight, a little shifty yeah, white Tim guy. Dwight. Yeah, they yeah th- he was fast as hell. Iowa. Yeah, yeah, Iowa, Iowa, yeah. So Tim Dwight, All American track star, well, star, whatever, All American in track as well. Yeah. Feels like a very random throw in. That feels like a, a GM flexing his muscles, like putting the phone on mute and saying, "Who else do we think we can get thrown in this deal?" Like Costner did on draft day. San Diego got Tim Dwight, huh? Yeah, Tim Dwight, a second and a third. Now, if this trade, I would say this trade actually worked out better for San Diego. You know who San Diego ended up taking with the fifth pick after moving down? Ladanian Tomlinson. <laughs> So he's aight. He <laughs> um, but that was the only other time. So it, it only ever happens when it does. It only happened three times. And when it does happen, it typically it's always for quarterbacks. Goff. Now, Mike Vick would Vic. be the closest to in terms of being not the normal prototype size. Yep. Mike Vick's the closest to Bryce Young. Obviously, they're different athletes. Um so with Bryce Young, Bryce Young, it's more of his actual quarterbacking ability that, like traditional quarterbacking ability, that makes you want to overlook his size concerns. With Vic, it was just that he was just so physically talented. It is a shame. I like if you think about what Vic might have done if he'd been with Andy Reid his entire career. You know, because I feel like Andy Reid just tapped into – Andy Reid's just very good at getting the most out of quarterbacks yep. and figuring out how to use their natural – but then also in, in bringing them along and teaching them, you know, and, and uh, just uh, like uh, developing them into actual quarterbacks. And Vic didn't really have that until later in his career and yeah. after a little bit of a – little bit of an incident. So he, a, no need to there was something. move along. Nothing, no, no big deal. It yeah. was something. I'd have to go look at Wikipedia to see what exactly that well, was, but he was gone you know for what, a little though, while. That is another thing. I wonder if he had – like if he had gone – how close was he? Where did he grow up? Virginia. Grew up Virginia Beach, Virginia, I think. Yeah. Rel- like so relatively close to Atlanta. Um, like a, oh, but Virginia Beach. I think so. Yeah, so a ways away. Pretty yeah. sure. I always wonder if he'd been if he'd gone up to Philly, it wouldn't have been. He still would have been relatively close. You always worry. Sometimes you just wonder if guys had if guys had just gotten drafted to a place like Aaron Hernandez. You know, if Aaron Hernandez hadn't been right in his own backyard, um, from where some of the worst influences were for him, would it have turned out different for him? I want to say yes, but he was a person of interest in a couple of homicides at Florida. So, uh, or <laughs> homicide was. attempts at Florida. He so I, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I yeah. think he was going to be a bad guy wherever he was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Michael Vick, Newport news, Virginia, which is a, it's a beach town. It's, it's along the shore in Virginia. Um, so those are the three times it's been moved, and so it doesn't happen all that often. So this, I tell you this, Texan fan, um, don't be too afraid. Don't walk around on eggshells for these next three months. Enjoy the process, man. You got the number two overall pick. You got five of the top 75 picks, and as John McClain would tell you, and you got Mechie coming back, which is like having another two. So yeah. you're good. You basically got six of the top 75 players in this draft. 
I was skeptical of that line of reasoning out of John. And, uh, but now I, I, cause you know, if a guy gets injured and gets put on IR his rookie year, you don't say the next year, well, it's like having an extra draft pick. Um, I, so I don't, I, I'm still not buying into it wholeheartedly. I think it's because it's a different circumstance than an injury that, that it feels like a draft pick, I suppose. So I true. Know. It's like John dabbles in oncology in his spare time or something like that. <laughs> Which honestly, like, and, and it's awesome. Like, it, it's great that I, it's, it's really, really great news that John Mechie. For sure. Uh, seem, seems to be doing really well. But there is still a part that, like, look, we've been through this with Quesenberry. Like, let's not pretend like, Hey, you had a little cancer scare and everything's cool now. Right. Let's go full steam ahead. Like you got to monitor this and be careful about it and just be sure, you know, there's there's other things that are more important before you before you throw them out there on your projected starters list. I got to find the text. This is random, but this time yesterday Seth for some reason brought up Einstein's list of demands to his wife back in the day. Yes. There was a texter <laughs> asking us about that. I can't find the text. It's on the trailer wheel and frame text page. Why did I, why did I bring that up? I forget. Was it because we were talking about coaching candidates maybe making a list of demands or something like that? Maybe, yeah. I had never heard Einstein of this before, a, though. I'd, you, 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 I'd never heard of Einstein doing this with his, I guess, his first wife. That they he had were, in, like a, a specific, uh, instructions as to like when he was when he was uh, when she was permitted to talk to him, yeah, and uh, what her expectations. I got were it in front of me. Everything. I googled yeah. it hey, yesterday. Anybody, before before you have this knee jerk, like, well, that's what people should do before they get married. Just hold on. Yeah, hang on. Here, just hold on. So their marriage. Just, I, I won't get into all the reasons, but their marriage was on the rocks. Albert this Einstein. Is, Albert Einstein was the stuff. Andrew Tate of the twentieth uh, <laughs> century. Some messed up stuff. Man. <laughs> yeah. He and his wife Maleva. Their marriage was on the rocks, and apparently she was a physicist just like he was or dabbled in physics like Einstein. Yeah. Einstein. And, and she was a very controversial figure because I guess physics nerds from back in the day thought that her theories were influencing his theories. She was like the Yoko Ono of physics back in the or day. Or the Nancy Reagan. Right. Of, uh, yeah. Right. The, the people worried that Nancy was, was telling Ronald what to do. So, yeah, it was um, – and there were also – just an interesting little side note to this time. Yeah. It was back in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, there were a bunch of European women physicists who were like for, foremost in their field. It was a, it was it was strange how things changed over the years. Um, but the, back like when we were at our most like sexist and everything, there were actually some really like brilliant and prominent female physicists. And and apparently she was uh, she was pretty well respected for her thoughts. Yeah. Here, Einstein's list of demands to his first wife Maleva if he's going to try to salvage the marriage for the sake of the kids um okay. these are the conditions a you will make sure one my clothes and laundry are kept in good order okay. two that i will receive my three meals regularly in my room in my room God, he sounds like a, sounds in like my a, room sounds like a 16 year old <laughs> three three that my bedroom and study are kept neat and especially that my desk is left for my use only. Don't go touching my stuff, woman. That's what he's saying. Yeah, well, you know, we don't know what it was like before. She was, look, she was a physicist and a mathematician. Yeah. Which, you know, 
not always the most conscientious or uh, or or neat and tidy of folks. Right. Kind of like a mad scientist types. Maybe she was a mess. She needed this talking to. Yeah, she was almost like you're lady, you're a slob, okay? okay. And I I'm not I refuse to eat with you until you learn to eat with your mouth closed. So I'll take my meals in my room. Are you ready? There's more. There's more. Yeah. That was just category A. Here's category B of Albert Einstein's demands to his first wife, Maleva. Uh, you will renounce all personal relations with me insofar as they are not completely necessary for social reasons. Specifically, you will forego the following. One, my sitting at home with you. Two, my going out or traveling with you. So I'm, I'm going to spend no time with you at home. And I'm yeah. going to spend no, not only am I not going to spend any time with you out and about, I'm not even going to leave the house with you. So this is strictly for the kids at this yes. point. The yes. kids and uh, purposes of appearances, like just society. This sounds like, okay, we're going to, we're not getting divorced, but we're divorced, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, okay. as someone who's been through a divorce myself, I would say this is really not a productive endeavor that they're doing here. The kids might have well, been able to sniff this Certainly not the verbiage. Out. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, maybe they had to figure something I don't know. Maybe there's an inheritance involved or something, but yeah. Like, but again, uh, Einstein on the old physicist mathematician side. Yes, not always the best with the interpersonal stuff. Right, They're kind of right. just cut and dry about things. Yeah. Two more categories, real quick. C okay. category C. You will obey the following points in your relations oh, with me. Oh, boy. <laughs> One, yeah. you will not expect any intimacy from me, nor will you reproach me in any way. He's not a machine, Sean, there for her pleasure. <laughs> there was no blue chew back in the He's 1920s. He's not a sex bot. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. Number two, you will, st- <laughs> you will stop talking to me if I request it. Stop <laughs> talking like to me. She's a chatterbox. She sounds like a slovenly chatterbox, okay? And frankly, this is the best thing that ever happened to her because she needed a talking to about it. Nobody, Everybody had always been too afraid of her to, to tell her the truth. This guy's unbelievable. Three. Three. You will leave my bedroom or study immediately without protest if I request it. Get out! <laughs> All right, last category. This is its own category. Category D. Yeah. You will not undertake nor belittle me in front of our children, either through words or behavior. So yeah. there you go. I uh, uh, I hate to be this guy, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I honestly, I have, I know nothing about her. I, like she might have been is, is like a Mary Todd Lincoln type, right. and uh, something like somebody that was just so hard to handle that at some point Einstein just had to say, for the good of humanity, yeah. lady, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to provide energy for the entire world. And perhaps, you know, the ability to destroy it as well. But uh, I cannot do it with your incessant chattering. I, I need you to stop <laughs> nagging me about all this stuff. I'm adding up. There's a total of nine demands. I, this yeah. guy's so out of line. I've only asked Amy for like five of these. This guy's way out of line. <laughs> way out of the line. The meal's in his room. I, I, you know what I'm jealous That's of? That's a good one. Apparently he just spent all day in his room. <laughs> yes. yes. How, had, and there was no internet had, back then killer gaming setup yeah <laughs> Einstein's gaming chinese chair. checkers <laughs> melva melva he's he's melva get the door he's he's what's he doing he's in there gaming again he's sitting there in front of a cribbage board oh he's, gamer he's sitting in there he's, he's gaming and listening to megadeth at, on 10 and it's just it's it's it's, it's getting to be a thing screaming me this screw me this letter the other day you should see it 
Maleva, meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then yada, yada, yada. They ended up getting divorced anyways, and Einstein married his cousin. The end. True story, by she the way. She was the hot one. Yeah, she was yeah. Like, uh, yeah they moved I to- think Maleva was, Maleva was a little bit of a uh, – look – it was a classic story. Yep. You know, marry, marry your kind of plain high school sweetheart, all of a sudden achieve world fame as a physicist, yep. and you dump her for your hot cousin. That's, That's right. It's like a uh, story all this time. And yeah. moved to Tennessee. That's what they did. Loaded up the truck, and they moved to Tennessee. <laughs> all right. Um, Laramie Tunsil, uh, does he get a contract extension this offseason? We asked Nick Casario about the Texans' left tackle. You hear it next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Payne and Pendergast with you on a Thursday. Um, Nick Casario was on with us yesterday. Laramie Tunsil, Laramie Tunsil wants a new deal. He's made that very, very clear. Um here was Nick Casario on the contract situation with the Texans Pro Bowl left tackle. LT and I had a good discussion there the other day. Um, the contractual things and some of the roster building things will certainly um, take place in due time. Um, and I was honest with LT, and I don't think LT meant any harm by it. But anything that we do from a contractual standpoint and a discussions or dialogue that we have, we're going to try to keep those private and we kind of try to keep that to ourselves. So, um, Laramie has made his intentions known. Um, Laramie had, like you said, uh, Sean, Laramie had a great season. I mean, let's be honest. Like, for me to sit here and say, well, he didn't play, Laramie had a great season. So, what does that mean moving forward? We'll look at all things here relative to an individual status and contract situation. Um, I think LT wants to be here and wants to be a part of what we're doing. So, how that manifests itself in the actual uh, contract and how we move forward. We'll have those discussions here at, at the appropriate time because whomever the head coach is, he's going to have an opportunity to kind of look at our team, go through the roster. We'll have a discussion about the salary cap space, how we want to allocate resources. So have a lot of respect for Laramie. Laramie played really well this year. Laramie's a good player. He's been a good player in this league. And 
as we move forward here, we'll see what it ends up in, in terms of his future as a Houston Texan. But have a lot of respect for Laramie, and I think we'll have good dialogue and discussions here as we move forward. Real quick, what was funny about that question, we didn't capture it in that cut right there, but when I, when I asked the question and I said, um, you know, I, I preface it by saying Laramie's been vocal about wanting a new contract. Nick's lead into his answer was, really, I hadn't heard. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was pretty, I mean, Laramie's pretty vocal about this stuff. You pointed this out in your follow-up, and we'll get to Cooks here in just a second. You asked the follow-up about Brandon Cooks. Um, the role reversal in this whole thing of Tunsil from seemingly being on the outs during the Cully season to now yeah. not only being a great player for them, but the team captain is something that I would have not wagered on at the end of the 2021 season at all. I didn't think that LT would be the captain. I'm just going to start calling him LT. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it became another one of those nicknames that you realize that people in the organization use <clears throat> that you don't, you're not aware of, like when Kirko. Remember they, they, people started saying Kirko, and we were like, who the hell are they talking about? Like, oh, Christian Kirksey, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, with LT, that's an interesting one because when most people hear LT, first – First, I think most people still think of Lawrence Taylor, but then obviously the Danian Tomlinson. Is is Laramie Tunsil the bona fide third generation of LT? Is he LT worthy? Is he worthy yeah. of those initials? The lieutenant. I'm gonna say yes. And it's in large <sighs> part in large part because he wants to have Sade play his thirtieth birthday party. <laughs> that is why he's worthy of that to me. I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, if LT three we're channeling yeah. the habits of LT 1.0. That shot A party would be a party, bro. <laughs> he should have he should have LT the elder come and uh dude. <laughs> okay, odds that LT 1.0 odds that LT 1.0 has actually partied with shot A at some point back in the 80s. I don't think it's off the board. Oh, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think like what's a day in the life of Lawrence Taylor like these days? I'm guessing I'm guessing it's something like Show up to a bar mitzvah um, for some kid who now has no idea who Lawrence Taylor is, but his dad just loves Lawrence Taylor. It's gone from Lawrence Taylor used to like probably get paid twenty grand to go to a bar mitzvah, where now now he's going out to New Jersey to go to a bar mitzvah, where all the kids are like, "Who the hell's this old dude?" But the dads are sitting around asking about questions from back in the day. Yes, and, yes. Uh, probably some poker games or some you know, oh yeah, like a cigar event or something like that. Yeah, I think he I think he makes his living just being LT. Around Absolutely, hundred percent, yeah. and probably so, does a pretty good job of it. Laramie Tunsil uh, is a, uh, Laramie Tunsil is more just calm, cool, and collected than Lawrence Taylor in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, and I think I think that might have something to do with the changing recreational substances of the days yes. uh, versus eighties versus now, perhaps the hectic so, time. Yeah, yeah, it's a different different choice of mm-hmm. activities. Yeah, um, I think that the biggest thing that I would wonder or be curious about with Laramie Tunsil is okay. All of a sudden, he's become the he's got most favored nation status. Like he's he's the captain. He says all the right things. He's gung ho for for Houston and uh, and apple pie and everything else. I, is that is that going to be the same after he gets this next big contract? Because he's had he's had a couple big contracts already. As a first round pick, pretty big contract, mm-hmm. not as big as it could have been. You know, if it weren't for the incident, gas mask. Um, yep. Second contract, huge, highest paid offensive lineman, depending on how you slice up the contract. Um, and now if he wants to be the highest paid offensive lineman again, is that is this going to be a cycle of kind of, uh, oh, disgruntled to, oh, I'm coming up on my contract. I'm an awesome guy. I'm worthy of being a captain. 
is that going to slide down again? I would guess not. And and because of this, I think he he was seemingly very well liked in Miami. I think that the you hear people from the organization talk about Laramie Tunsil and they liked him a lot. It was just that Bill O'Brien offered up so much money to get him that they couldn't turn it down, you know. And I think that the last couple years was a whole lot of I, I think Larry Tunsil might have found himself in a situation where he was injured. His coach was David Cully. Everything was a mess everywhere, and it might have just been a really, uh, a really dysfunctional situation. And I just, I don't like, I don't like judging people based on what their out, what the outward appearances are when they're involved in a really dysfunctional situation. Because a lot of times, the best dudes are the ones that end up looking the worst because they're. They're rebelling against what is a bad situation. Yep. So I'm uh, I'm cool with it. I say pay the man. I do too. I, yeah. I want Laramie Tunsil back here. I think it's a I think it's a wise position to make a highly paid position on your team. I think the position ages well. It's not as big a risk injury wise as paying top market for a wide receiver or yeah. running back or, or, or other positions. And Tunsil, except for last year, has been pretty healthy. And I think last year, again, given different circumstances, I think he probably would have ended up playing again sure. during that season. Um, so I, yeah, I, I feel better and better out. The more I had to ruminate about it for a couple of weeks after he said that, and and now that we're past the season a bit, I I do feel pretty good about you know giving him a giving him an, a a reasonably outrageous contract, yeah. not an outrageous outrageous contract, a reasonable outrageous contract. That's the status on Tunsil. Your follow up to Nick Casario was about Brandon Cooks. Brandon's been a good player in this league for a long time. I mean, he caught I don't know ninety balls back to back years in twenty and twenty one. Wasn't as productive as you you know maybe would have hoped this year, but Brandon's a good player. He's helped our football team. He's helped a lot of football teams. I've been a part of some of those football teams that he's helped. So, you know, we'll deal with everything kind of, you know, one day at a time here relative to individual situation. But I think our responsibility is to kind of look at everything and then ultimately do what's in the best interest of the Texans and everybody involved. This just dawned on me as I listened to that cut. It's probably the third or fourth time I've heard it. But the, the words that jumped out at me there because I'm like, OK, he said that before about player a player that he was dealing with a situation on. Who was it? And the words were, we're going to deal with it one day at a time. And that player was one Deshaun Watson. Oh, They dealt with that one day at a time quite a bit. And I wonder if that's code for, if we're dealing with something one day at a time, eventually the solution to dealing with it is to get that person up and out of here, which Brandon Cooks seems to desire greatly at this moment, uh, based on his media session on Monday where he... Made no bones. Anytime you're you're talking about how well your representation works with the general manager of the football team, yeah. it's because they want some sort of deal coming, and that deal he's already got a contract, so that deal obviously would be a trade. You know why one day at a time is the perfect phrase for that, Sean? Mm. Because one day at a time, the sitcom from mm. the seventies and eighties. Uh, where was it set? Do you remember what city it was in? Indianapolis, right? Disgusting, awful. Inbred Indianapolis. Inbred <laughs> Diapolis is how I like to call it. And I think if there's something that you loathe and want to get rid of and cast off uh, into the worst region in America, it would be to send somebody to Inbred Diapolis. And uh, that's why one day at a time is uh, probably why he uses that. Why he's, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. I had not made that connection. Were you a fan of one day at a time, the sitcom back I was in the a fan day? of Meredith Baxter, I'll tell you that much. She wasn't in that. She was in Family Ties. You're thinking of Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> yeah. I was a fan of Valerie Bertinelli. 
tell you that. They're probably related. John, Indianapolis, hello. <laughs> you big Seinfeld fan? <laughs> yeah, I love Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet was hot. That was Cosby's show. Was it, oh, Mackenzie Phillips was in One Day at a Time, right? She was. Yeah, she okay. was not hot. No, she was. Hey! She wasn't. <laughs> Sorry. So she, the Phillips girls are all hot in their own way. Was okay? she? Oh, is she part of the that Phillips family? She was the, yeah. I think she was the Wilson part of the, she was somehow related to the Wilson Phillips girls. I think girls. you're right about that. Yeah, which is the, they're descendants of the. Beach? Well, Wilson is descendant of the Beach Boys. Anyways, this is a segment where everybody's going, what the hell are you guys talking about right now? I blame Seth for bringing you No, the Mamas and the Papas. Oh, okay. Mackenzie Phillips' father was in the Mamas and the Papas. There you go. There you go. Kids, the Mamas and the Papas were... Never mind. All right. Um, All right, so that's the update on the Texans. What I would say coming into this season were probably thought to be the best two players on the Texans, Tunsil and Cooks. We're handicapping it. I think Tunsil will be here a while. Cooks, not so much. All right. um, I put up a poll yesterday. With Carlos Correa finalizing his deal with Minnesota. By the way, we got to talk about this. The pic- the picture that Carlos put up on Instagram. And oh, the- really? And the caption oh. that he put on Instagram. How would we be feeling? How would we be feeling if this were a year ago and he played footsie with two other teams and then said, "I'm coming back to you, Houston." Um, so we'll talk about that. Which Astro free agency departure over the last few years wins a World Series first? I've got a list. Who wins? And I put up a poll. Who won the poll? That is next. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, we'll get to headlines in just a little bit. Uh, Sean Payton is going to interview. Well, the Texans have requested an interview with Sean Payton. We'll wait and see if the Saints coach takes them up on it. Um, and we had that actually just the news that the Texans requested the interview was reason for celebration. Absolutely. Yesterday. I realized that as I was uh, I was doing my YouTube stream last night in Lamont. Lamont, uh, you know, Lamont can be a pretty cynical guy. I think he would agree. It just basically said, I'm just so happy that they're doing something normal. It's yeah. just it's in this this candidate list. It's so normal. Yes. It just looks like the, these are classic NFL candidates. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's awesome. Dude, it, it, the last three years, when we look back, I mean, it's going to it's going to get weirder and weirder the, the further we go. The more normal things get, the more weird the last few years are going to look. We need to have an annual reading of that memo um, post justifying the DeAndre Hopkins trade. Yes. Every every year on the anniversary of the DeAndre Hopkins trade, we should do a, a segment where we read the memo and uh, and rejoice in how increasingly stupid it becomes. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. And actually, we there's a little bit of Hopkins news on those trade rumors that we can get to a little later on in the show. Um, Carlos Correa posted a picture on his Instagram yesterday, Seth, where he's it's two pictures. You know, you can, kind of a mini slideshow. One where he's wearing a traditional Minnesota Twins uniform and the other where he's wearing the ones that say kind of the, the, the nouveau ones that say Twin Cities on the front yeah. and he's posing in the jersey and he's smiling because he's so happy to be a twin and he says wow this is the caption what a journey it's been a lot of emotions involved throughout the whole process but always believe that at the end of the day God will put me in the right place 
and cost me $150 million in the process. He didn't say that. I did. Uh, he goes on to say, I'm, I'm so happy and excited to be back home with my extended family, the Minnesota Twins. Oh. From the players, staff, and all the way to the front office, I was welcomed and embraced as one of their own since day one. Now I'm back to finish what we started. Oh, Let's man. get to work. Fist bump. Thank you, hands. Oh, boy. I, you know, I, he didn't say anything wrong there. Does it feel disingenuous it at feels, all? It feels incredibly disingenuous when he talks about being, you know, where he belongs and with family and all that. Like, okay, I, like, where was this love, you know, just days ago? <laughs> when they offered you 10 years, $285 million, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's almost like it's a very well-crafted, uh, possibly written by a PR person statement that just didn't need to be said. I guess I, you know, I, I this is where almost I don't think I, you got you got to approach this with a sense of humor. I think I think you almost got to come in. I'm thinking of like how somebody like I remember remember when John Riggins uh, broke his his holdout. He held out for an entire year and he came back and he basically was like, "I'm broke. I gotta, I gotta, what are you gonna do? Be honest. I'm broke. I gotta. I'm bored and I'm. He said I'm bored and I'm broke. Like okay, that's uh, you're being honest there. Yes. But, so disingenuous is the right word. There's nothing. Nobody in Minnesota is up there thinking like, "Oh boy, yep, yep." It does. It feels right, doesn't it? It just feels right. Just feels. That, that he's finally back where he was for almost a year. It was. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. That this would actually be. This would actually be a much more appropriate post if this same thing happened with the Astros over a year ago, where yeah, he yeah. hits free agency, and then that's what I wanted to ask you in the audience is if let's let's go back a year where the Astros made him an offer. We didn't know Jeremy Pena was going to turn into what he turned into. So try to remove and divorce yourself that the Astros divorce yourself from the fact that the Astros have found a perfectly acceptable, much younger and less expensive solution than Carlos Correa. The Astros are in a great place. But let's try to go back to let's try to if, go back if, to if, yeah. spring of 2022 yeah. before the 2022 season where Carlos is still a free agent. The Astros had made him a 5-year, 160 million dollar offer. Let's pretend for a second he goes out and he gets that bag from the Giants and then yep. they say no thanks because of the leg. And then he goes to the Mets and gets a slightly smaller bag for 300-something million over a dozen years. And they say the same thing. And he's negotiating and haggling back and forth for two weeks. He truly, clearly wants to be a Met, it would yeah. seem. Otherwise, everybody just walks away the next did, day. Yeah. He walked away from the, the Giants deal before the Giants had actually cut cut off the deal right they, he just flat out said oh you're hesitating a little bit I'm Mets, gone. Mets, yeah. Mets. Yeah. yeah um and then finally after two weeks where the Mets are like no we're just not doing this yeah he comes crawling back to you and then as he's come as he comes crawling back to you for six years 200 million or in the case of the Astros it would have been 160 over five he goes straight to social media and posts a smiley picture of him in the space city uniform and then one in the the rainbow Astro uniform, and then another one in the orange jersey, and he says, wow, what a journey it's been. I'm back. It Here to finish be, what we started. It would be I, – I, and I don't want to do what a lot of people did after the press conference in early 2020, um, which was, you know, they they assumed that all anybody said about the scandal was what – uh, Berkman, um, uh, Bregman and El Tuve said in that press conference, and they ignored the fact that the everybody spoke at length afterwards in the open locker room. Maybe when Correa gets up and talks to the press or talks, did he talk yesterday? Maybe it know. was. Uh, maybe he'll just be uh, just kind of maybe a little bit more aware. 
Yeah. Self-aware. Yeah. 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 And, and if he had done it with the Astros, then it's an easier sell of like, oh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And, you know, uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm actually at peace with it. But it's it's the timeline. It's how compressed everything is. Yeah. If 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 Cray had gone off to Minnesota and then come back the next year to Houston, like yeah. if all this had happened after you've been gone for a year, then it feels more like, oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, things that you never can't predict exactly how things are going to turn out. Yeah. And I think then you're more willing to accept it. If I'm Minnesota right now. If I'm in Minnesota, I'm just thinking, all right, dude, just can it. All right, we're happy to have you because you're a really good baseball player, but like, you, you, can, you can save the sentimentality stuff. We know the deal. He's a mercenary, and I don't have a problem with it. It's yeah. just it, like these posts like this are just nauseating to me. They turn your stomach. Because it was like his mound visits in his last year. Here. A little bit. A little, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, anytime any pitcher's struggling, old big brother Correa's got to come out and, and calm things down because he's such a great leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. When, when, the Giants, when he went with the Giants, they were offering the most money. When he went with the Mets, they were offering the most money. Now he goes with Minnesota, who offered $50 million or $40 million more on the second go-around than the Mets did on their revised deal. Like, he's... Yeah. He's he's going for the most money. I don't have a problem Which with is it. Fine. Yeah, 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 totally fine. But the prayer hands and the fist bumps and your family and blah blah blah. It's like, yeah. okay, cool. So I love Jeremy he, Pena. If we were to do the power ranking of of recently departed free agent, yeah, that you'd most uh, welcome back with open arms. Yes. Let's say in like I don't know as close to a similar situation as possible. Like we maybe, talking just Astros? Just Astros. Okay. Astros who have left. Yep. And might come back, and let's say it was because, like, after the Astros were their actual third best option. Yep. But they came back. Uh, my, my, do you want to hear my power ranking? Yes, I want to hear yours. You do it. My power ranking, I'm going to go from uh, Springer, Verlander, Cole, and Correa. Of those wow. four. Oh. Is that, your, is that the order? Or? No, 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 no. Oh, those gotcha. are the four okay. candidates. Gotcha. Um, I'll go Correa dead last. Okay. I would say, and uh, don't uh, just turn turn your ass around and get back up to uh, to the great white north right. up there. Uh, hang out with Prince's corpse or something in Minnesota. That's gross. Um, but yeah. Third on my list would be Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Cole is just a hell of a pitcher. Um, I'm willing to forgive the shenanigans that he pulled there at the end where he just wanted to divorce himself from us as quickly as possible. You've pointed out, too, several times he took up for the Astros once he became a Yankee. Yes, yes. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, Verlander, and it was actually tough between Verlander and Cole. Because Verlander, like, you know what? Verlander did it the exact way that, like, I think you're suggesting Correa should have handled it. Hey, it's a business. I'm going to go where they're giving me a great contract, yeah. and that's that's it. That's Love it. my time in Houston. But, like, none of this this – disingenuous or seemingly disingenuous sentimentality about it. And then number one, of course, obviously, uh, George Spring. Spring dog. Yeah, hell yeah. George, uh, George, could, uh, George could kick my Aunt Flo uh, in the ribs on his way into town, and I'd still be like, I'm, I'm so happy that you're back. Yeah, it's good that you're I'm back. You're, yeah. right. I'm glad you stopped. I wish you didn't stop and humble to kick my aunt, but you've got your reasons. The Lord works in mysterious ways. <laughs> right, right. And uh, I'm happy you're back Fist here, bump George. prayer hands yeah. to you, George. Yes, absolutely. By the way, the poll that I put up, now that the Correa saga is over, if you had to pick one of the big four free agency departures from the Astros since 2019 to win a World Series first, 
with their now current team? Not just to win one, but the, who would be the first one? Who would it be? Is it, is it which one? Uh, so w- not which one we would like to, but which one? Which one will? Yeah, will. making okay. a prediction. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, okay, I'm going to give my answer yeah. before, and I'm not going. Uh, Garrett Cole. I mean, good luck even making the World Series. You play for the Yankees, you clown asses. Yep. Um, for Pete's sake. <laughs> Sprint boy, I'll tell you what. I spent a day in Toronto before their uh, their their final playoff game, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, the people of Toronto convinced me that the Toronto Blue Jays are going nowhere. Uh, they are pessimistic about that team, which is unfortunate because they got a bunch of bright young studs. Um, but it's not going to be Springer. It's certainly not going to be Correa. So it's going to be Verlander. Uh, yeah. Verlander finished second in this poll, thirty-one point seven percent in a fairly substantial margin. And about 800 votes in this poll. Uh, George Springer, 56%. Think that yeah. They think Toronto is going to be fine. It's a good young nucleus with Springer being the veteran guy there. And they've made a lot of – they spent a lot of money up in Toronto. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I would have said, said the Mets just based on the sheer nuclear spending that their owner is doing right now. Toronto right now is the eighth favored team to win the World Series, okay. whereas the Mets are the second most favorite team after the Houston Astros. Familiar with those teams, yep. Yankees are third because Vegas doesn't study history, apparently. That's right, that's right. Where are the Dodgers on that list? Are they fourth? The Dodgers are fourth, Okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, I was surprised the Blue Jays and George Springer won by a substantial margin as they did. Uh, I think that, I think that's people, I, I think a lot of people might have voted for that with who Out of emotion, because they can't read yeah. the question. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's still hard for people to take the Mets seriously, too. I think. Oh, uh, you I, know I think what? It's a, you know it, what? You know what? Yeah. This is my fault. I'm the phrasing of the question. Yeah. If you had to pick one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yep, yep. That's where I get in Why? trouble because not because <laughs> I'm looking at it through a prism. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's my fault. That's my fault. <laughs> you I'm, need to have. You need to have Oops. one of your kids proofread it for you. Well, my kids like to gamble there. like I do, so they're going to be like, looks great, Dad, because I'm right. looking at it through if you had to pick one. Right, know, right, but you're not necessarily right. thinking about how it, how it reads. Yeah. Like you're no, looking I'm not. at it, so you're, yeah, so your kids will be good at that. I need they're a, all bright. I need a second set of eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wanted people to, I, I wanted people, what their, not their opinion of who they liked, I want their yeah. opinion of who the best baseball team is. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, that was on me. God bless. All right. You should be, you should be one of those people that works for the, the pollsters, like for the the slanted pollsters, like, yeah. hey, would you rather vote Thanks, for candidate Seth. A and lose all your rights, rights, or vote for candidate B and have steak for dinner every single night? And then, like, uh, studies show that uh, studies show that ninety seven percent of people like you, uh, you're candidate very, B. You're very miscast as a good person right now. You, your your <laughs> skill set is much more. It's much yeah, more various, suited for yeah. twisting the truth. Yeah. All right, let's um, lobbyist. let's get to let's get to headlines. <laughs> Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines, brought to you by BaywayJeep.com. God, I'm killing myself over that poll. That was uh, oh, I hate myself, Sean. Ultimately, um, I don't think it affects anything other than uh, it's uh, you're, you're not gonna. This is not gonna be brought up in the. In the 2000s. We have our company meeting, uh, our kickoff meeting for this year after the show is over today. You think our boss brings it up how horrible the Pender poll was about the Astro free agencies? <laughs> there's a good chance, since Patrick, her husband, listens, there's a good chance that she brings it up. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. She might. Uh, Wait, do you guys yeah. hear what a joke of a host Sean was this morning? Let's take a listen. Um, all right, let's get to headlines. Sean Payton is the big headline today here locally. Stop snickering in there, Ben. I see you. Um, uh, Sean Payton uh, has been requested, an interview request has been placed 
for Sean Payton, the former New Orleans Saints, former New Orleans Saints head coach, but for purposes of this discussion, he is still an employee of the New Orleans Saints. He's still under contract to the Saints, even though he stepped away from the team. Whatever team ends up hiring Sean Payton, and it looks like there's serious momentum that he's going to get a gig this offseason. Arizona and Denver have also requested to interview with him. Um, it'll require draft compensation or compensation of some sort to the Saints to uh, to get Sean Payton's services. But, Seth, this, this news got tweeted out yesterday afternoon by Adam Schefter. My... My initial reaction when I read the tweet that the Texans have requested permission, I'll be honest with you, I was a little, I was kind of shocked, you know, yeah. like, and not because I don't think he would be a good solution, not because I don't think the Texans would pay to get Sean Payton if he was the right solution. If it's the right solution, I think they'd do it because this is not a pool the Texans have have swum in, swam in the last couple of years during these hiring cycles. They're playing with the big boys now. It's, um, it's, you're exactly right. They've been dealing with a smattering of some names that were common candidates, but then some other names that just seemed like they were trying to they were trying to get the numbers up to make it look like they were doing work or something, uh, or flat out hiring David Cully. Uh, it was it was nice to see, and and including the list of other candidates where. These are all just the conventional kinds of guys that you might interview because you like their work as a coordinator or their leadership ability or their or their Sean Payton. Um, it just feels it feels normal and it feels good. The part that people are skeptical of, I've seen and noticed, is a lot of people wonder whether Nick Casario would be cool working with Sean Payton because um, there's this perception that Nick Casario wants or needs to be the guy who's calling the shot shots this is what i would this is what i would caution people is that the last two years have been a situation where the texans were hitting a hard reset and it was sloppy and it was ugly and yes various mistakes were made but let's recall that at one point i've always assumed that casario was very interested in coming to work with bill o'brien and jack easterby um back when they were accused of tampering with him uh, back in 2019 uh, and that would not have been a situation where Casario would have had final say on things. That was most likely going to be a whole lot of shared power between Bill O'Brien and Nick Casario. So I don't think that I don't think that this is uh, some kind of needed power that a lot of people perceive that it would be. And I think that there's a very good chance that Casario would be cool with having some kind of a relationship with uh, Sean Payton, where obviously Sean Payton has a, a whole lot of hand in the relationship. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you make a good case there, and I think if I'm a Texan fan thinking that, okay, Payton represents the nuclear button for the Texans where they're blowing it all up, which is what I was feeling during the offseason, I, I feel better having heard you lay it out that way. I, here's the other thing. Nick Casario had an answer on our show yesterday when we were asking him about how this job is perceived around the league because I think it should be perceived as a better job, much better job than it's been the last couple of years. I don't care about the two coaches who've been fired. The last, I mean, I care about them as people. I don't care about the dynamic of firing two head coaches in two years being something that should dissuade good coaches from coming here. We assumed that the, this cut we're about to play was in reference to D'Amico Ryans, but could it be in reference to Sean Payton? What somebody is actually saying versus what the reality is are sometimes two different things. And some of my conversations with agents and representatives about candidates who they're perceived not interested in the job, it couldn't be further from the truth. So when you actually talk to the representative about how excited they are about to potentially interview, this is something that they're encouraged by, that they look forward to. 
it sometimes doesn't always. So what you're hearing is different than maybe what people are really saying. I still think that's in reference to D'Amico, but it's fun to think yeah. that it might be in reference to Sean Payton. <laughs> yeah, because there was a, D'Amico was the only one where there was a report yes. that D'Amico wasn't interested. Whereas with Sean Payton, there's been a lot of speculation that while he might not be interested in the Texans job, I have seen that guys like Albert Breer and a few other national types are starting to point out that, hey, this Texans job you look at it objectively and you throw away all of the screaming, talking heads on television, um, objectively on paper, it looks like a pretty sweet scenario compared to a lot of these other deals out there. Well, the, okay, and you, you've brought up this point a handful of times the last couple of days, and, and, and this is fun because we can apply an actual person to this, where you have said, Seth, that if you're a coach who's bringing up firing Lovey Smith and firing David Culley, one-and-done coaches two years in a row, as some sort of concern moving forward you're probably not the guy for this job that you're worried that you are on that same level of those two. You're probably not the guy for the job. So it's fun to think like, can you imagine Sean Payton sitting down to interview for this job? And that being a concern of Sean Payton's like in a million years or or D'Amico Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like it's just not, it's if you look at David Cully and you look at the hire, that was either a really bad mistake hire of a bridge coach or it was intentionally as part of the as, – as a way of tanking. Um, you know, it was – but it was not – it was not a hire that was made with, with the impression that, like, yeah, this guy's totally going to be just as good as Sean Payton. Uh, we, we, we feel it in our bones. Like, so – yeah, Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryans, a lot of the other guys in this list are going to look – they're not going to look in, in, at the situation and say, well, gosh, if they could fire David Culley, just imagine what they could do to me. Right. That guy would be – should be dismissed immediately, yes. and you should never interview him anyway. And and honestly, likewise goes for Lovey Smith. The He – and, and I, I have a hard time saying it with Lovey Smith because, look, Lovey Smith is a respectable dude, and he's had success as a head coach. But none of it has been since 2012. Right. So the he, he he's had three stints as a head coach since 2012, and has yet to have a winning record in any of those. Um, so it's it's just there's not a candidate that's not going to think he can do a better job than those guys. Yep. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KLT and KLT HD2 and Odyssey Station. Here was Sean Payton on the Colin Cowherd show talking about drafting prototypes. Take a listen to this. We played it last week. We're going to play it here. Does this sound like something where Peyton would be aligned with Casario on? Let's do this. Let's not draft small players in the first 15 picks of the draft anymore in the first round. Let's not let's not get away from prototype. And I talked with Bill Parcells about this, Ron Wolf and, and – those early picks have to be prototype players. Big, 6'4", 225. Prototype, the way we've designed it for each position, whatever right. the position requirement is. Now, let's say we're looking at a corner, and our requirement for prototype at that position is 5'11". And we're going to tra- take this player in the first six or seven picks, and he's off of that. You'd say, oh, how much? He's 5'10", or he's 5'9". There's a point at which you turn and say, all right, and Bill would say this, does he walk on water? You told me that, yeah. Yeah, and and if the answer is yes, then we're going to look at Aaron Glenn some more. Yeah, right, Because right. he drafted Aaron Glenn. Yeah. But when that topic comes up and, and you just see <clears throat> the mistakes really recently, and we go all the way back to Cleveland and, and 
you know, they have the movie Draft Day. Yeah. And I've said this before, and, and, and right at the very end, Costner makes the right decision in the movie. But in real life, not Hollywood, we they drafted Johnny Manziel, the same team. Yeah. And I, I think you have to pay attention to typing and, and when you're looking at the health of players and you're looking at the size of players. And two is just one example. We're going to see it again, I think, this upcoming year. There's another quarterback coming out Bryce of Alabama Young. that's not going to be prototype. Okay. Yeah, it's so a little walk on water. Eh. Well, he did this weekend. Yeah. Right. Okay. There you go. It's a little he said con- yes, he walked on water. It's a little concerning. <laughs> yeah, he did. Against Kansas State, he did. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little concerning that it sounds like there's a 2% chance that Sean Payton may actually think Kevin Costner was the GM of the Browns at some point. <laughs> no, you know what? Though? Same does, team. <laughs> he points out in reality. I know. That in rea- I mean, he was pointing out the irony of the fact that it was the same team that did that. Like, if you're looking for a perfect example of like what to do and what not to do, you do it the way Kevin Costner, who may well have indeed been a better head coach or general manager of the Browns at any point in the last – 30 years, you know, and whoever you was throw doing darts it. at a board. Yeah. Yes. Kevin Costner, the actor may have been a better general manager. So, That's right. um, I think that, so it, it's important because people keep sending me that too. Every People keep sending me that. And then after we play it again, uh, people demand credit for, uh, sending it to me. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of a big story that, uh, that, that, that <laughs> we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. So the, um, it's important to point out that he was talking about Tua Tungavailoa at the beginning of that. Yes. And then, yes, he brings up at the end that it was Bryce Young. But I think he does leave it open-ended as far as, okay, is this, is this guy an exception like Aaron Glenn? And, I, and I, I find it interesting, too. And I think it's really important to point this out. Because <clears throat> I, I think a lot of people are taking that quote, and especially when it's snipped up a little bit, it sounds like he's talking specifically about Bryce Young in, 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 instead of, like, an overall philosophy. If if you try to take a philosophy that includes making exceptions at times, but you chop it up, it turns into, oh, he'll never draft Bryce Young. I think that it's important that he brought up Aaron Glenn, and Aaron Glenn was a very, very, very good player and made multiple Pro Bowls, as I recall, and he was awesome. He was one of the, the very best defensive players that the Texans have had. Uh, unfortunately, he was in the very early years, so he kind of gets washed by the wayside. Um, but... And, and I think Sean Payton there is saying that that was a justified good pick because he ended up being a good, really good player. Um, but it's not like he was a Hall of Fame player. So walks on water, what does that necessarily mean? Right. I, I don't think it means Lawrence Taylor caliber player. I think it means like, okay, he's so good that he overcomes those size disadvantages. Because yep. Aaron Glenn was a very, very good player, but not a Hall of Fame player. Does that, does that, and I think that's what Sean Payton means by walk on water. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's, it's not close to the literal walking on water. It's that he's, he's a really good player. Yeah. And, and he might very well feel that way eventually about Bryce Young. It's, I think what it comes down to is like, he's good and size doesn't matter in the whole equation. Like, I'm, we're not yeah. worried about it. I, I'll say this about Payton as a potential head coach for the Texans. As you know, Seth, I'm I am clear, I'm a Bryce Young number one, C.J. Stroud number two guy as far as these quarterbacks go. I've got questions about C.J. Stroud, even in spite of his performance against Georgia in that semifinal game. I like Bryce Young better as a quarterback, a leader, a football player than C.J. Stroud. If they end up with Stroud, then great, let's roll. He's got he's got potential to be a really good NFL quarterback a, as well. Yeah, but if they hire Sean Payton, 
I almost don't care which one they take. It's Sean Payton with one of those quarterbacks gets me super excited. Right, and and that's the way I think a lot of fans will feel about it. I think, uh, I guess one hidden advantage, maybe a secondary advantage that you shouldn't be too focused on if you're the Texans, but it's a nice bonus, is that if you hire Sean Payton, I think it does take off some of the public pressure to draft a quarterback as soon as possible or to fill in a quarterback. I think you get a little bit of a grace period. That shouldn't matter, and yet, you know, pressure has a way of affecting your decision-making, and and perhaps it just makes it that much easier to, to move forward kind of with a calm, cool sense of rationality. So uh, that that is one thing I would like about the Sean Payton hire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 